0: Every pattern that exists in a relationship is co-created that you have a role and they have a role. It's not 100% on them It's not 100% on you. It's always shared responsibility so you can never control what somebody else does like you'll never be able to control how somebody shows up or how they respond but you can always take accountability and take control for how you decide to respond mm-hmm. to something in every situation where you're feeling activated or triggered or you notice that there's a pattern that's existing and you find yourself pointing the finger at the other person a much more effective technique would be like okay point it in how am I contributing to this pattern this side that exists between me and my partner because it's not you versus them. Mm -hmm. That's a huge misconception. Mm -hmm. It's not me versus you. It's me and you versus the pattern. We're on the same team here. How can we both do what we need to in order to dissolve this pattern? And oftentimes that comes down to saying the hard things, the depth of your intimacy Is directly proportional to how many uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have with your partner.
1: In that moment when he said okay I have to tell you this thing and I knew what was coming and it just really felt like my world was crumbling apart I also knew that if I were to explode with a huge reaction how could you do this to me flip the table over start you know throwing things at him if I did that all I would be doing is validating his fear that it's not always safe to tell the truth whether or not we stay together i wanted him to know that being a person of integrity is far more important than piling lies on top of lies on top of lies to get what you want from people that was nimae and bianca a couple
2: well known in the nutrition and fitness world who in the last year came out with a podcast episode on their own show called we are not your couple's goals choosing to share some vulnerable relationship experiences that they've had, which led them to working through childhood traumas, healing from infidelity, and showing up for both themselves and their partner. Nimai's bodybuilding career took off after switching from being vegetarian his whole life and never have eaten meat to a 100% plant-based vegan diet in 2015, motivated by a desire to live as healthy a lifestyle as he can. Nimai is living testimony that you can build incredible strength and muscle without animal foods and be healthy. And Bianca is a vegan fitness influencer who also has a coaching and mentorship business and inspires others in liberation and empowerment all around the world. So together, they started touching on other topics and opening up more about their relationship on their own podcast, and I immediately knew I wanted to get them on my show. I love the premise they speak of. Relationships are an opportunity to grow deeper within ourselves. We cover their relationship story, how personal growth is imperative for long-term relationship success what a conscious relationship is breaking generational trauma and how the way we parent creates a ripple effect for our children as they face the world their advice for healing both personally and within their relationships how to have healthy communication and resolve conflict in a positive productive way creating safe containers for each other during triggering and vulnerable times openness to grow and heal and so much more I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I find this topic so meaningful and enriching to our lives. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Thanks so much for coming on this podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation, and I think to start off, I'd love to for you guys to share a little bit about why the topic of relationships and healing your traumas to grow together is such an important one for you that you're so passionate about. Like maybe can you can share a little bit about your story, how you guys started out together and what unfolded.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having us here. We love talking about this stuff. And we're both passionate about talking about relationships because we've learned so much in the container of our relationship over the past, it's been a little bit over five years now. I mean, more than I've learned in all of these other courses that I've done and I've been in therapy for years and I've learned so much individually but together we've been able to just transcend so much pain and trauma and patterns and you know behavioral things that we had that we didn't like about ourselves that we were able to grow out of. And so that's why we've seen how much it's impacted us so we've be- just become really passionate about sharing it with other people.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, all relationships are a container for growth and a container for reflection and sometimes it's difficult to grow or learn about yourselves in a vacuum, like with no other person there to reflect these parts of yourself that may be dormant, that become triggered when the right set of circumstances present themselves. So romantic relationships, especially if you think about friendships, like you might get triggered in some ways with friends and people, you know, or coworkers or bosses, but romantic relationships are really rooted in our most Fundamental like childhood wounds that are related to our parents or our primary caretakers and when those get activated It's a whole new set of skills that's required to navigate those And if you're not taught those things, which not many of us are we're just learning on the fly um, it can be a real challenge to Find yourself in the same situation over and over and never be able to transcend that so luckily we have a relationship where we're both really committed to working through those really challenging conversations and transcending them and not allowing them to continue to repeat on this cycle. And that's what allowed us to, I mean, have so much personal growth, not just, you know, like from a, from a romantic level, but in all other areas of life, we've been able to take these lessons and put it into business, put it into the type of content that we share, put it into, um, our, our employees and our co-workers so everything that we do so that's why we're really passionate about it
1: yeah and I guess to share a little bit about our story which you know we have shared online so I know you know a little bit about it um, we met in 2017 and we had a long-distance relationship at first I was in Florida and I was in California and so with that start to our relationship, we really just created a best friend bond right away because there wasn't any physical intimacy right away. It was just long conversations, long FaceTime calls, sending each other pictures all the time. And we really became best friends. And so the first year of our relationship, you know, I I'm, I moved after six months across the country, actually to Long Beach. No <laughs> and way. yeah, and that was where we spent the first two years together of our relationship. And in those first two years, I mean, we knew we, we thought we knew what we were bringing into the relationship, right? Everyone knows you bring your baggage into the relationship, but we really had so much more that stuff I didn't know I was bringing into the relationship and same for him. And we began triggering each other's. our insecurities started coming out and we were um, adapting the only way we knew how, which was just how, how we saw our parents act, how we've shown up in, in past relationships. And that's just how we showed up because we didn't know any better. And it wasn't until a couple years in um, that we had some massive breakthroughs. And that started with us um, taking the initiative to grow together. And um, I I was in therapy for a while, and then I started having different coaches and mentors, and then we got a um, a coaching container together. And in that coaching container, I mean, we really were forced to look at the patterns that we had, which was I was a major people pleaser and... This is something a lot of people do. And we don't realize it, but people pleasing is another form of manipulation. You want somebody to like you or love you, and so you do what you think they want you to do, even though it's not what you want, so everybody's losing, because you're not being honest with them, and you're not being honest with yourself. So you're making yourself miserable. So whether that was, you know, Nima wanted to, go to the gym and I really wanted to stay home, I would force myself to go to the gym because I thought he wanted to go with me and really he just needed some space. Like that's just a little small example of yeah, mm-hmm. pleasing, right? But of just the power of communication. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and honesty, you know, and truthfulness. And so I was a major people pleaser and then Nimai had his own not so great patterns around dishonesty and mm-hmm. he and, and suppression and and hiding things. And that came from his own childhood trauma. hmm Yeah, I mean,
2: going back to originally what you said in the beginning about how our, our, what we need to work on and our deepest traumas are best reflected, like when we have someone with us, is so true. Because you can't really, I mean, you can work on yourself by yourself, but it's also there's another layer and a different way to learn about yourself with someone else. And it reminds me of like my kids, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think it's similar different, obviously, but similar in the fact that like our kids are really our reflections of us. They're little mirrors that show us. They reflect back to us what we're doing, and a lot of times we look at children and we're like, how could they do that? And then if you really take a step back, Mm -hmm. you realize they learned it from you. Mm -hmm. That you're the one who's doing that, and that's why they're acting like that. And so, same situation with relationships, like, if you're able to open up and be willing to learn about yourself and learn how to grow through seeing what's happening and playing out in your relationship, like, that's how you're able to, like, grow together bond together and have a deeper relationship because I think a lot of times relationships get in this stuck place where you kind of get in this like we just fell apart or we're just not in love anymore you know I just we just grew apart when really how often if we just allow ourselves to be willing to grow if we have those vulnerable communication it's like conversations and everything that you're go that you guys have gone through to be able to grow better together and like grow deeper in love
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah exactly
0: yeah and there's there's I mean, this may not be true for everybody, but I see it, I've seen it in our relationship and I've seen it in other friends' relationships as well, is that there comes a point where there's like complacency that happens in the relationship where you you both just accept that things are the way they are. And we are both so dedicated towards our own personal growth that that doesn't allow Like space for that to happen in our relationship because if she's growing she's learning about herself and showing up in a new way Which then forces me to have to like Like follow suit or or learn about myself and how this is changing me as well So it's like this constant dance that we're doing where we're both growing and then bringing what we take What we learn into the relationship to deepen the intimacy because Mm -hmm. we're constantly getting to know each other who we were whenever we first met Are completely different versions of ourselves and who we are now five years later and if you're both not on this same growth trajectory then that gap kind of widens if one person is growing and the other person is just kind of staying complacent and stagnant then there's a lot more room for for friction for confrontation for unhappiness for all of these different things so yeah, I think growth is, is a big part of our relationship as well.
1: Yeah, there's a really common misconception that you need to work on yourself and figure it all out, and then you can meet the love of your life and live happily ever after. And everybody's stories are different. Of course, there are a lot of cases. I have friends who have met each other after they've both done a lot of work. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do work together, but you know, me and Nima I met when we were uh, pretty young. And so the opportunity for us to learn more about ourselves and each other and how to love and how to relate to each other and how to communicate. I mean, our relationship has been the classroom for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really believe that you need to work on yourself. You need to fix yourself before you're ready for love. Because when you find somebody who's also, you know, has a growth mindset and is really passionate about doing the work and like healing from that deep childhood trauma, the stuff that you don't want to talk about, all that shadowy stuff, when you meet somebody else who wants to do that with you, I mean, they just continue to pull, they pull you up and you pull them up. Like what Nima was saying, you grow a little bit, you pull them up, then they grow a little bit and they pull you up and then you keep going until you experience a whole new type of
2: living. Yeah. That growth mindset is so pivotal and it's really hard if one of the persons in the relationship, is all about the growth mindset and the other person is just like, yeah, I'm fine where I'm at. Like, why do we got to do this kind of work? You know, Mm -hmm. it can be really hard for that couple to be on the same wavelength because like you said, one's kind of growing in this direction. The other, it almost feels like you're kind of getting pulled in the opposite direction when your partner's kind of not growing with you. And Andrew and I had... A really young relationship as well. We got together when we were 15 and 16. Mm-hmm. So we're completely different people <laughs> than we were when we were 15 and 16. And that's why I think most young, really young relationships don't last because you change and you grow and then you learn, okay, this person's not the right person for me. But for some reason, it could have just been our compatibility. But also, it was that we were constantly growing together and all the best parts of him I was able to take from and learn from him in those ways and then the best parts of me that i was strong in mm-hmm. he was able to grow and learn from and as a result we like helped each other to just be the best the better versions of ourselves as we were getting older mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah but so how has your relationship evolved through um the traumas that you experienced when you were young when you started to realize that you needed to work through these things like how did you guys decide or come to that point where you realized that you need to address those things in your relationship
1: yeah well I mean, so so with our particular situation, when I met Nimai, he had a lot of childhood trauma that he hadn't really faced yet, mm-hmm. um, other than just like really gently acknowledging like, that's there, but it was in the past, and it's in the past, it's in the past, and I can move forward, right? And where I had been actively dealing with my trauma a little bit more through therapy and coaching and... Um, I still had ways to go and i am we're both still working on stuff now. I think it's kind of a never ending journey, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we got to a point in our relationship. Um, this was about in 2020. So we were a couple of uh, three and a half years into our relationship where um, our relationship was kind of at a standstill where we were like, okay, we need to either grow or we're, we're, we're not going to be able to stay together. And in that time, that was when Nimai was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna face some of this stuff," and that came with being vulnerable about talking about stuff that he had never talked about before. Um, talking about it with other, you know, coaches and mentors and a therapist, and um, even just by doing that, by being more vulnerable, I was able to understand him better. Because I'm like, "Oh, like now I can see the little boy that felt." unsafe or unacknowledged or or needed something that he didn't receive and i know how to not necessarily give that to him because it's not my responsibility to be his parent but to support him while he reparents himself and we did break up and and we took time apart which was really necessary for our journey but that was kind of where that started and then now you know still always working through that now in 2022 I'm revisiting some of my childhood stuff that I didn't face, and same Nima is holding space for me while I'm reparenting that inner child that didn't receive you know, the love or the care or the safety that she needed. And so that's kind of how I like to look at it. It's not so much of saying, okay, my, my, my partner had this horrible childhood trauma, and so they need me to love them, and they need me to take care of them and to be their mommy or be their dad. To rescue them, yeah. To rescue them, that's not necessarily good for the relationship because mm-hmm. then it can just create codependency and it's not actually helping the person transcend that pain, but it's more so creating the space where they can reparent themselves and saying, I love you. I accept you no matter how much you have to cry over this, how much you need to be held. Do you need me to sit here and be your shoulder? Do you need me to watch a movie with you? Do you need me to go to therapy with you? Whatever you know, whatever it is for them to um, to to strengthen themselves. That's really how you can how you can support that that journey.
2: Yeah. And so can you explain a little bit further into maybe the other parts of your relationship about like the infidelity and how that happened, how you guys grew from that, because a lot of people, that's like something that people don't really talk about.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> people don't. And I, I actually made a post on Instagram talking about because we've done a couple episodes on both of our podcasts. I did, um, I made a post on Instagram talking about people don't like to talk about healing from infidelity. People talk about mm. infidelity in the sense of, um, you know, it's it's unacceptable when you have a monogamous relationship and, and that happens and, you know, moving on. But people don't talk about um, the healing in the sense of, because whether you decide to start a new relationship with that person or stay together or break up and never speak to them again, that pain of infidelity and, and your trust being broken you will take that with you if you don't heal it mm-hmm. so i'm i like talking about healing it and um i mean we can share a little bit about f- for people that are you know watching or listening and don't yeah. don't know us don't or know our, your story yeah mm-hmm. don't know our story so um so like i said um after we had been together for three and a half years we got to a point where we were like okay we need to basically grow or die like there was a lot of stuff coming to the surface childhood stuff old stuff and we were in a container with two relationship coaches and they you know said bianca you're a people pleaser and nimai you're not being honest and somewhere in that container nimai um wanted to come forward with his truth which was that early on in our relationship he had been unfaithful and it was a lot for me to handle because part of my trauma as a child was that my dad was unfaithful, of course. Mm. So it was kind of the perfect little puzzle piece to just reactivate that and be like, wow, like everybody cheats on me. Nobody chooses me first. Like that was the, Mm -hmm. one of my, one of my wounds. And, um, the way that I chose to handle that situation was to end our relationship, which was really hard. I mean, we had businesses together. We lived together. All of our friends were just like one big friend group. So, you know, I really just like ripped the the tablecloth out from under my life but i was like i need to end this relationship not because i don't love this person or because i think it's impossible to forgive him but because this is not what is okay like these are my boundaries you know I, i don't want to be in a relationship where cheating is okay so i ended the relationship and we took time apart and we were actually officially broken up for nine months but in those nine months we did see each other on and off for some period sometimes we would go period without speaking and that was when you know that really was like the thing that ignited nimai to be like i want to be the man that i know i can be which i'll let him speak on <laughs> but um and that was really where he started um like really just went into so much growth so i'll let you share a little bit about that mm-hmm.
0: that's- yeah yeah so back we'll backpedal a little bit because there's a lot, obviously we're trying to condense this for this conversation, but uh, condense like a year's worth of events. But um, yeah, for me, whenever I entered this coaching container with these relationship coaches, one of the first things that we talked about was not our relationship. It was my childhood and my past and my history and things that I hadn't talked about for, I was 29 years old. I'd never even vocalized them out loud, like never spoke the words out loud. And I won't go into too much detail about it, but essentially the story that I had told myself was that it was unsafe to tell the truth. Mm. So if that story was so deeply ingrained in my fabric of who I was, it would present itself in many different areas. And, And the safe thing for me to do was to tell a half-truth, you know, embellish or um, withhold information. So that's kind of how this pattern that had existed through adolescence into early adulthood into us meeting I was already so deeply kind of like in this pattern that you can't see it. And it's like one of the hardest or like most dangerous lies that you can tell are, are the lies to yourself. And if you believe those lies, then you're oblivious to the way that you show up. And I'm not uh, trying to absolve myself of responsibility or accountability for the way I showed up then, but that was just kind of where it stemmed from. And mm-hmm. I didn't have the awareness of it. So in this container, we talked about that. And uh, so we really worked through a lot of my childhood stuff and saw the the, the relationship between like my childhood and how it was showing up in, in my romantic relationship. And one of the exercises that they shared with me, they were like, we want you to go through and be as honest as you can be with anything that you've ever like embellished, lied, flat out, or told half truth. So I went deep into my memory bank and started like listing off all of the things that I was not in integrity or where the areas where I wasn't in integrity. And I brought that to, to Bianca. And it was like, The hardest thing you have to do, because it's not only you have to bring it and you know that what you share is going to really hurt the person that you love, but you also have to confront yourself and be like, wow, I've I've been not a great person and I have to like accept that and and really own it before I can move forward. And then it must have
2: even been scary just to do that because of the traumas that you experienced growing up where it's not safe to tell the truth. So that must have been really hard.
0: So that was the thing that was like the that was the key to unlock Like the person that I really wanted to be because I knew that there were some things that I could have kept to myself and took with me to the grave. And I had a really honest conversation with myself and I said, if I do this, then I will always have shame and I will always not be able to fully love myself for who I am. And I need to speak this truth, even if it means my entire life comes crumbling down because I need to allow this part of myself to be seen so that I can step forward into becoming the man that I want to be. So I had talked to her and scheduled this, this, you know, meeting with her and um, shared with her these, this infidelity that was the hardest thing for me to do. And she sat there and took it. I, when I say took it, I mean she, thanked me for sharing my truth even though it it really pained her and it was like obviously very hurtful for her and her Saying that in that way was exactly like the thing that the little boy in me needed Mm -hmm. to feel loved and and unconditionally accepted Mm -hmm. for making mistakes for uh, For hurting her even though it wasn't what she wanted to hear.
1: Yeah, and and also, you know me knowing Because leading up to this, his like truth telling, I was, you know, he was going through this, his childhood trauma, things he had never spoken about before. And that under, I knew that one of his deepest wounds was feeling like it was not safe to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. And also if you add onto, you know, why, why is somebody unfaithful? There's so many different reasons. And this reason, another one of his wounds was, you know, a feeling of, unworthiness and like that can show up in kind of seeking attention um attention and love or lust from other people. And so I had an awareness of this. It didn't make receiving that information easier. And mm. like I said, that information was the perfect puzzle piece for my trauma which was you know, I'm I'm never somebody's first choice or I'm I'm always lied to, like I'm always taken for granted. Like that was my wound, but I, in in that moment when he said, okay, I have to tell you this thing. And I knew what was coming and it just really felt like my world was crumbling apart. I also knew that if I were to explode with a huge reaction, how could you do this to me? Flip the table over, start, you know, throwing things at him. If I did that, all I would be doing is validating his fear that it's not always safe to tell the truth. And unfortunately, there are a lot of cases when you do tell the truth and people meet you with reactions. Of course, when we say it's safe to tell the truth, I can't speak on behalf of every single person in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But in our particular situation, I knew that I could create safety for him to tell the truth because whether or not we stay together or we, we get back together or, or whatever the, what was gonna happen beyond that point, I wanted him to know that being a person of integrity is far more important than piling lies on top of lies on top of lies to get what you want from people. And me dealing with the pain of feeling like people lie to me, or people don't people break my trust. That's a separate like that's a separate thing for me to deal with. That, that was not for me to deal with right here. And I think that something that I always Um, something that I've learned with relationships is when we deal with all of these different problems, a lot of times they all kind of compile and becomes this like big abstract mess of your trauma and my trauma and then the thing that's happening now and how that's creating trauma in the present moment. And it becomes so overwhelming, but if you can try to just deal with things one chunk at a time. So in this moment, the thing we needed to deal with was his trauma with feeling safe to tell the truth and me creating that safety. So when he told me that you know I was unfaithful to you early in our relationship, it broke my heart. And I said thank you for telling me. And you know I was all, of course I was like really upset and I was really disappointed. But you know thank you for telling me. The way we kind of look at um, you know not to like compare anyone to a child, but if a if a, if a child and I'm sure you know this, if they do something on that's not great, like they they break something or they lie or they cheat on a test, but then they come to you and they tell you okay mom I did this thing and I'm really upset that I did it and if you say how could you do that and you like you know give them some sort of like uh, extreme reaction extreme reaction then that that just further validates okay I'm I I can't tell this person things that are truthful so in that moment you know that was his his inner child saying like okay it's safe to tell the truth I have to tell you this thing and meanwhile adult Nima really disappointed me really did break my heart but I had to let him know it's safe to tell the truth thank you for telling me and then we can move on to the next thing which is okay the relationship in the present can't we can't stay together anymore because I'm glad that you told me that thank you and it also wasn't okay we had a monogamous agreement when we entered our relationship together and so I have to end the relationship and that was really hard too because I didn't want to like we had our whole life built together but I had to I had to do that for myself and for for him to you know, understand that I take my boundaries very seriously, and I think that this is where people who experience infidelity trauma can really—it's really hard when you you love someone and you want to be with them, and you know, you live together, maybe you have kids together. There's so many different like components that can make it easy to just say like, okay, like let's you know, like not break up or like what what you know whatever. But um, for me, breaking up was a really important boundary that I had to set. So I did that, and then we were able to move on into like the next. Kind of like the next thing, which was then me dealing with that pain of like my own self-worth. Okay, well, I felt like I had low self-worth when I was a kid and I found out that my dad cheated on my mom and felt like he cheated on me, right? And then now the person that I love cheated on me. So what does that mean? Does it mean that everybody cheats on me and that I'm unworthy of love? No, I know that that's not what that means. So I had to do my own self-work and that really didn't involve Nemai. Actually, it was really me, my therapist, my support team. I had a coach for a period of time. I read lots of books. I journaled. I meditated. I mean, I was showing up for myself every day, sitting there, sometimes crying for an hour if I had to. And then when I, when, when it was appropriate for him to support me, I said, "Hey, I need you to support me in this and what I'm going through." And that was kind of how we started to to go through that. And then eventually, we found our way back to each other. Um, which wasn't planned we, we fully let go of the relationship, but we yeah. on our way back. Wow,
2: that is such an, like a powerful story because I keep thinking back to like child Neai mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to all the parents listening right now how important this message is to remind parents how to respond to your children when they tell the truth because there are so many adults walking around that have a very similar wound in their heart and have a really hard time telling the truth. I mean, I know a lot of people with that kind of wound where they felt that when they were younger, if they told the truth, um, and it was scary to do so, and they had their vulnerability and said, I'm going to tell my parents, because they originally trusted their parents, like, like the, the number one people that they trust, and then that par- the parents either had an extreme reaction, punishment, discipline, shame, all those things, and it all adds up over time to where they become afraid to tell the truth and feel like it's not safe, and you have to start doing white lies or doing half-truths like you said, and it goes into adulthood, which affects all the relationships in your life, not just your um, like romantic relationship, but friendship relationships. Then it plays out in relationship with your own kids, and a lot of times our parents have their own set of wounds that they haven't done work to heal from their childhood, mm-hmm. and it's like this endless cycle, and that's why I think this conversation of truly doing inner work to heal your wounds Whatever it takes, whether like you're saying, reading books, doing therapy, and then having that ability and just openness to open your heart to that c- communication and vulnerability to actually do the work, really goes such a long way. Like it's like a ripple effect to the next
1: generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is how we. It, it's how we break generational trauma, essentially.
0: Yeah, and I was gonna say that that that's a that's a if you look at it that way, you know, pain that may have started generations before you, your great, 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 great grandparents or whoever, so many generations before you, there's momentum that comes along with each generation. So I like to look at it or just like use this analogy of like a train, you know, like each generation is a cart on a train and the more carts it has, the more momentum, it, it, it the more force it's required to stop, to stop it from moving or slow it down. So whenever you are chosen by, Divine or your ancestors or you know, make the the conscious decision to be the one that stops that Generational trauma It is a lot like it is a a big burden to Mm -hmm. bear Mm -hmm. So it's not easy But on the other side of that You do break the chain Mm -hmm. and you break that cycle for now that I know how to move through this this these situations whenever I have children, I'll be able to really mm-hmm. instill this like integrity and honesty as a part of who they are from mm-hmm. the very beginning, because it's, it's not always like, I'm not even blaming my parents. I, I don't, I really want to make this clear. I yeah. don't blame my parents for yeah. me having this story. My story is my story. And I somehow form this story as an, mm-hmm. as a protective adaptation for something that happened to me whenever I was a kid, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily their fault at all. And, I had a lot of shame that I put on top of myself that was preventing me from being authentic because shame lives in silence and if you never share it with anybody nobody really knows the pain that you're holding on to so part of my thing was also to no longer be available for that shame so I had to let my parents know too I, I, I had this really tough conversation with them that I recognize now that a lot of the shame that I had was was handed to me through them. It Mm -hmm. wasn't ever mine to begin with. And I let them know I was no longer available for that and that I'm going to speak my truth whenever I want to. And it was hard for them to hear, but it heals both ways in both directions so not as not only is it healing for me and my future generations but it heals backwards for my parents as well because they learned a lot from that conversation too and were able to accept um themselves a lot more and and find peace with things that happened in the past as well so it was it was it was a really powerful um event for for us to Mm -hmm. happen that all stemmed from our relationship and moving forward to whenever we got back together and decided to share this stuff publicly like that was a huge step forward for me because vulnerability was not my strong suit. It was a it was a muscle that I had not exercised at all. Mm-hmm. So whenever we got back together, we wanted to to share what we had learned, and I I went into it fully knowing that I was going to be judged online. People were going to have their opinions, and anytime you open up your personal relationship yeah. to the internet, people are going to have unsolicited opinions, and and all day they'll have they'll find something to talk about yeah. and something to you know crucify you for and. I knew that by me sharing my truth it would give other people especially men permission to be authentic to be vulnerable Mm. to see that it's okay to make a mistake if you you own it and you decide to be better moving forward so that was my thing was like how can I live in integrity moving forward and I'm not ashamed of what I did I'm it was a painful lesson for for everyone involved but looking back at it now that painful lesson was um, you know
2: a catalyst it was a it was a catalyst <laughs> for mm-hmm. so much
0: so much growth in my life and so much freedom in my life and hopefully freedom for other people too because We 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 live in this this cancel culture society where people somebody makes a mistake and done they're done. Doesn't matter what they did before, doesn't matter what they're gonna do in the future, they're done. They're forever branded as that, whatever they got canceled for. So I think that people change, you know, we we have to create a space for opportunity to realize that you know, we're, we're so multifaceted and there's so much more than just what you see on the surface. So to take something for face value and judge it immediately, Mm -hmm. like maybe just pause and reflect and ask yourself some questions before you leave that hateful comment, before you jump to some kind of conclusion, like we're all humans here we're all imperfect. Like nobody that you know is perfect. Everyone's just doing their best. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And you know, when we did open up with this story after we got back together, you know, when we decided to get back together, we started a new relationship. We didn't pick up where we left off. Yeah. We started a completely new relationship with new new boundaries, new rules, new intentions. We were we spent the whole first year back together going to therapy mm-hmm. t- a combined total of 3 times a week. Once once a week once a week for myself, once a week for him, and then once a week together. And Um, we had coaches. And we we had coaches. And we had coaches as well. I had my own coach. (laughs) He had his own coach. We were doing individual, very intentional work as well as very intentional work together as a couple. We were reading, you know, a lot of books and a lot of material to constantly integrate into our relationship. And when we decided, okay, we want to share this story because we feel like it can help people and it can give people permission to start living in integrity and also permission for people on the other side of the this type of situation of an infidelity situation to be strong in their boundaries and also to not um take somebody and just take one thing that they've done and sum that up to who they are Mm. right and of course every situation is unique are there people who um, you know, cheat and abusive patterns, and know what know that what they're doing is hurtful, and continue to do it regardless. Sure, that's definitely a situation in which case would be considered really unhealthy. And again, it's like setting that ba- setting that boundary and saying this is not okay, and I'm I'm leaving this relationship. There's so many different variables, but in our situation, it was something that. Um, we We chose to um, handle it the way that we did. And when people online, you know kind of just see the headline of the podcast, and they don't sit and watch the whole thing and they they immediately jump to, you know, once a cheater, always a cheater, I would never take somebody back. You know that's just in those comments, i just I just see their pain because they they feel that they wouldn't be able to forgive themselves if they made a mistake that big. or they've been hurt that deeply, and they do not have it in them to hold space for that that depth of forgiveness. But when it comes to healing from infidelity, whether you stay with that person or get back together with them or never talk to them again, forgiving them is your key to freedom. If you do not forgive somebody for something that they did to, to hurt you and you hold on to that, you're using so much energy inside your body to hold on to this grudge of, I will never forgive somebody for doing that to me and you will take that into your next relationship and your next relationship and you'll have a new partner who's never done anything un unfaithful to you and you'll be like what are you looking at on your phone why are you following this person why did you know why why are you doing this why are you doing this because you start projecting all of that pain that you didn't heal so i'm really big on forgiveness and i'm really big on compassion obviously you know i'm a vegan i'm like compassion is my thing and i don't only apply compassion to animals and and, and critters i apply compassion to human beings as well meaning that if somebody hurts me and makes a mistake i let them know that's not okay but thank you for telling me, and this is how I'm gonna move forward from this situation, which might mean our relationship ends, our friendship ends, I need space from you. Maybe I never want to talk to you again, but I forgive you. And that's how I chose to heal from it. And I honestly, like I can sit here and I can truthfully say that I have healed from this situation, which was really hard because it, like I said, directly related to my childhood trauma. And you know, anybody who's been cheated on knows how how hard it is but i truly like we've been able to rebuild trust i trust other people in my life i don't live in this constant fear anymore that people are lying to me like i really was able to to grow out of that and forgiveness was really the key to
2: it Wow, everything you guys just said was so beautiful. Like from the forgiveness factor to the the vulnerability piece that you guys were willing to come out and share. Cause for anybody who doesn't know them or their channel, you came out with a video called We Are Not Your Couple's Goals. <laughs> and people are like, What? And I'm I'm imagining people looked up to you or look up to you a lot in your relationship. Yeah. And so that must have been extremely vulnerable to share that your whole story. But I think it's really beautiful that you saw the goodness that comes out of that, not only from your own relationship and healing your own traumas, but also from being willing to share your story because of how many men, like you said, or women that could see w- how you guys grew from that situation instead of living in their shame and their fear, because you were willing to grow and willing to put yourself out there and take a risk and also just hold your child's self and just grow from it. And how many people are afraid to do that? So, just seeing that as an example, I'm sure has impacted a lot of people in their relationships.
0: Yeah. 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 I would say that that, that one episode we received more messages like I'm talking about like lengthy DMs and messages than any other piece of content that we've ever put out there. Yeah and still it's, and, it's, it's constant. Still, I mean
1: everywhere we go we meet people that say oh I listened to that podcast and it really helped me because you know mm-hmm. I was I was unfaithful or I was cheated on and now I like was able to have yeah. more understanding because it's a topic that you know like you mentioned people don't like to talk about it because it's, it's not a pretty subject to talk about but it's really important and people do make mistakes and people can change and so I'm glad that we you know have been able to talk about it and now we're at a point in our relationship where we have so much trust and love and it really is a new relationship when we talk about the past we refer Mm -hmm. to it as the old relationship we Mm -hmm. don't we don't say oh yeah remember that time we say remember that time in the old relationship like we're really we really kind Mm -hmm. of segment it like it is a part of our our love story but it's also not the, we're not the same people that we were right now absolutely yeah and
2: on, like t- a takeaway from this is that like vulnerability and honesty is the key to so many of our issues so many of our inner problems and how hard it could be it was for you and just seeing how you healed that trauma and i love that you said that you don't blame your parents for it you you look at at, at your experience with your parents with empathy from their mm-hmm. own experiences as well but this is, I keep going going back to children because all, it's generational, like you said, it helps the past mm-hmm. by being open and honest, talking to your parents, but also with future generations. And I think, I know you guys don't have kids, but the book The Conscious Parent is really amazing by Shafali Saberi, I had her on my podcast. And um, it all comes back down to you. And oh, you know man. how a lot of parents will be like, okay, I need a book to like how to fix my child. How, why is my kid throwing tantrums? How do I fix it? How do I stop my kid from doing this or that? And I'm like, all I love the respectful parenting books because it always just turns it back on you. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing mm-hmm. that can shift? Yeah. Instead of being like, my child, my this, my that, what they need to do, it turns it back on you and how you can grow. Because mm-hmm. when you're willing to grow and change yourself, it has a ripple effect on everybody and every relationship around you.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I like. You're so right because every 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 pattern it takes two to tango right mm-hmm. every every pattern that exists in a relationship is co-created that you have a role and they have a role it's not 100% on them it's not 100% on you it's always shared responsibility so you can never control what somebody else does like you'll never be able to control how somebody shows up or how they respond but you can always take accountability and take control for how you decide to respond mm-hmm. to something so In every situation where you're feeling activated or triggered or you notice that there's a pattern that's existing and you find yourself pointing the finger at the other person, a much more effective technique would be like, okay, point it in and and use your eye and really like turn it inward and say like, how am I contributing to this pattern, this cycle that exists between me and my partner? Because it's not you versus them. Mm -hmm. That's a huge misconception. Mm -hmm. It's not me versus you. It's me and you versus the pattern. Mm -hmm. And how can we both we're on the same team here how can we both do what we need to in order to dissolve this pattern and oftentimes that comes down to saying the hard things like the like to, to to really the degree of like the the depth of your intimacy is directly proportional to how many uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have with your partner and in any relationship if you are holding up a mask and you have a mask and you're constantly engaging with your partner and they have a mask, then technically there's four people in the relationship. So it's like, it's only once we remove those masks that you really get to understand and meet the person that you're engaging with and deepen that sense of intimacy. And oftentimes it's on the other side of those, mm-hmm. those hard, truthful conversations. Mm
2: -hmm. So this is kind of getting into like conscious relationships. And I know you guys talk about how you're in a conscious relationship. So for people who are listening, who are interested in this, and they're like, yeah, I could really use a lot more vulnerability, openness, honesty, and growth in my relationship. What is a conscious conscious relationship? And how do you embark on that journey?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would, I would call a conscious relationship, a relationship that is intentional by all of the parties involved, meaning that when you get into the relationship and you decide, okay, we're doing this, we're, we're with each other in whatever capacity that means, that it's intentional. It's not just, okay, I like you and you like me and we're just going to, you know, see where this goes, but rather, you know, not saying that you can't go up the flow, but okay, we're going to go up the flow. We're going to see where this goes, but also these are my intentions for myself and these are my intentions for the relationship, right? And moving about that in the most conscious way you can so for us when we got back together we started this new relationship which is you know a conscious relationship we went into it saying okay what are our intentions for the relationship for the long term for the short term for ourselves individually i want to grow i want to continue breaking because even though i feel like i've broken my people pleaser patterns of course every now and then it rears its head right so it's i'm going to keep working on myself so that i can be as authentic as possible, as confident as possible, as honest as possible, and we can show up with integrity and I want to have the type of relationship where I can show up in this way. Right? You're you're very conscious of the way that you're acting, you're conscious of the trauma or the the emotional baggage that you bring in and you um every day, you know, whenever there's like let's say there's a little bit of tension, like your partner did something to upset you, instead of just you know, rolling your eyes and, and leaving and going to the gym and just avoiding them completely or maybe just not talking about it and waiting until you cool down and moving on, you say, hey, I notice that you're upset with me. Whenever you're ready, I would really like to have a conversation about this because it doesn't feel good for me to know that you're upset. So when you're ready, I'm here to talk. And then maybe the other person might say something like, "You know, thanks for acknowledging my feelings. I'm not ready to talk right now. Let's reconvene in an hour. That's mm-hmm. how a conscious couple goes about problems instead of just ignoring them until they go away because they don't go away it's like literally like a cartoon animal sweeping something under a rug and then there's like a big lump in the rug and then you trip on it that's that's what people do and that's what we've been taught to do because unfortunately we're not taught how to relate to each other so that's how I define a conscious relationship and um, I don't know if you want to share what your definition no, of yeah I, yeah
0: i would i would agree with everything that she said and i would say i would add to that just really having a framework to navigate conflict because mm-hmm. that was again it's not really something that we're taught it's something that we learn by witnessing other people and most oftentimes our parents so how did they handle conflict well My dad raised his voice. He yelled he he gaslit and you know, my mom just shut down and like that was the pattern that I saw so naturally as a boy, I adopted some of those qualities and Now whenever we have a conflict it like she said, we don't avoid it We we face it head-on, but we have tools to navigate those conflicts, you know, whenever she shares whatever she has to share I Validate what her experience by saying like, okay, so what I'm hearing like yeah, mir- mirroring. mirroring it yeah so what i'm hearing is that you're upset because x y and z so i so she knows that i hear what she's really trying to communicate and mm-hmm. if i say it mm-hmm. incorrectly she'll say like yes and this this and that so mm-hmm. that's like one part of like the the, the conflict resolution and then you know, you, I share my experience and then she says the same thing. And what that does is just, it diffuses, it depersonalizes the, the entire situation because it can feel so so much like a personal attack. Mm-hmm. And every conflict is different. I'm just, you know, that sometimes it can be a personal attack, but most of the time it's just a misunderstanding. Yeah. And, What we do is now we have a framework to operate within that Mm -hmm. will allow us to understand each other better and not allow these conflicts to like last a day or we'll go to sleep angry Mm -hmm. or it'll be like a whole week where there's just tension between us we're like i can't stand this tension between us let's i don't it's uncomfortable but let's just talk about it right here and now
1: yeah and i would say you know as far as how to how to embark on a conscious relationship um i would say one is to Constantly check in with yourself to know what you're bringing into the relationship. So, if you don't know, if you have no idea what your trauma may be or what your experiences from the past that have created patterns that you're bringing with you, maybe seeing a talk therapist or hiring a life coach, somebody that you can start to talk to just one on one so you can identify, okay, I didn't realize that I tell a lot of white lies. Oh, I don't really like that about myself. Or I have a pattern of being really secretive about things that I'm shameful of or I have a pattern of getting really uncomfortable around the topic of sex and so I just avoid it completely. Whatever those things are, you need to first identify those things in yourself. So doing the work on your own, therapy, journaling, working with a coach, reading books, and getting really really honest with yourself. So that's a requirement by both of the parties. And then the other thing, conflict resolution, just like what Nimai said, and what he, you know, gave an example of is essentially essentially mirroring and naming the feeling. So if you can first learn how to name your feelings, this will just transform all of your relationships. This is the biggest thing and this is something that, you know, I know in in conscious parenting, it's like learning how to how teaching your kids how to identify their feelings like I feel frustrated or I feel shameful or I feel happy like learning how to identify those feelings we're not taught how to do that as children or at least our generation Mm -hmm. wasn't unfortunately and so doing that will just change your life all of your relationships not just your romantic one so whenever you feel okay my partner didn't do something that he promised he was supposed to plan a date night and he didn't do it and i feel really upset instead of waiting until he says hey what's wrong saying well i don't know i just feel like you don't care about me and you don't ever take initiative and it's all i really want your partner might be like whoa okay you're upset about so much i literally made one mistake yeah right so naming your feelings would look like saying okay it's also checking in with yourself first again okay, I I feel upset, I feel sad, I feel forgotten. Like that's really, that's if you can condense it to one word or just a couple words, I feel forgotten because you were supposed to do this thing, you promised you would do this thing and you didn't. And if you can also identify how you can relate that back to your childhood, I feel forgotten, which reminds me of how my parents used to never celebrate my birthday. And so I feel like I've been forgotten my whole life. Now your partner has context to understand why making that one small mistake is so impactful for you and that will just change that will Mm -hmm. just just completely change your relationship and then the mirroring piece is just when your partner says that i feel forgotten you just say it back to them and all that does is it lets them know that you're listening so then they feel like they're not being ignored if you're looking at your phone or if you're just nodding your head kind of staring out into space they're like are you you're not even listening i i don't i don't now they don't feel heard so just just saying i hear you you feel forgotten and it relates back to how your parents used to make you feel forgotten i'm sorry that wasn't my intention let's let's move forward what can i do to like help you like not feel forgotten and feel
2: seen. And it's so much easier to heal from an experience like that when the other person is holding space for you like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, cause it's easy when you're upset to be like you're this and start name calling or attacking mm-hmm. instead of identifying the feeling that you're feeling. And it's so true what you said about kids, because as they're figuring out their emotions, they might, they're going to mirror how they see adults for one reacting and getting upset. But there's also themselves just trying to show their anger and show why they're feeling sad or frustrated or upset or hurt or, angry and so they might start throwing things or slamming doors or or yelling or saying names and stuff and instead of just like punishing the child for reacting in a way that is not desirable instead going up to them and say you're feeling really mad right now can you say I feel so mad right now instead mm-hmm. of saying I hate you mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. like like hate your I hate my brother you could say I'm so mad right now I'm so mad that he did that and yeah. I just identifying those feelings goes such a long way and yeah. in the rom- romantic relationship completely because it's so easy to just blow up at your partner because start you've been saying, holding it
1: all day Yeah, and then you start telling them this whole essay of things that they've done wrong and yeah. they're, they're like Whoa, Whoa! I just, I just yeah. forgot to take the trash out. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. And then you're like you're, and like, and you're, you're holding not- on
2: to all last week's everything that I did wrong. Exactly. Just naming it.
1: Yeah. Just putting. If you can put a label on that feeling, it will really, really transform the way that you move through your emotions as well as the way your partner can understand you and how you guys can tackle things. And then, like you mentioned, it's it's great for kids as well. And I I love watching videos on conscious parenting yeah. because not a parent yet, but one day I will be. So I, I, I love seeing how there is a whole new wave of really conscious parenting happening where people can allow their children to have their feelings validated. Like, you're mad right now. That's okay. It's yeah. being it's mad. It's okay is, to be mad. Yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's part of being a human. Good job. I get <laughs> mad
2: sometimes too, you Yeah. Know, just like relating to that person. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about the sweeping under the rug of how just because there's another analogy from another, from a book that I read called His Needs, Her Needs. And it's Mm -hmm. pretty, it's pretty like, you know, old school traditional. So I don't love certain parts about it, but there's certain parts I really, really love. I mean, I love traditional aspects too, but it's just the way that some of the parts in the book is, you know, labels like females versus males, right? When it could totally be swapped, even though, just to clarify, Mm -hmm. the book does like acknowledge that it could be swapped, you know, it really just depends um, on each relationship. But you know, just clarifying that. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love about the book is it talks about the love bank. And it's mm-hmm. similar to what you're saying about sweeping under the rug. And I think a lot of people don't really realize or kind of forget about how all relationships, when they start with that spark and that excitement and that just total like over the moon for each other, those endorphins are high. It's literally like a drug. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, like you, you're in this total other altered state where when you see that person, everything about you is just just like, addicted, loving, just so 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 into it. It affects your whole mood, your day, everything. And as the relationship prolongs and settles, it settles a little bit. And you and sometimes people expect all relationships to just be on that ultimate high in the very mm-hmm. beginning forever and so then it's easy to move on and be like oh well now that we're experiencing all these issues right? it's easy to be like well we're just not in love anymore because it wasn't how it was in the very beginning when really what's happened is that endorphin high that happens in the very, very beginning of the relationship has settled and now all of the issues are starting to come to the front to the top of your own issues yep. and how you respond to each other so instead of being like oh now I'm going to look for that next high that next super high and just move on because troubles starting to happen in the relationship or uncomfortableness instead facing on head on with what you're going through and learning how to heal from that goes such a long way. And learning, like, love languages. It's kind of like the mm-hmm. love language book, the five love languages. Mm-hmm. But it goes a step further and notice it and expands to, like, ten specific needs. And we have certain ones that are more important to us than others, depending on each person. So there's, like, the love coin, the love bank at the beginning of your relationship. And everything you're doing is, like, you're being your best self. You're putting forth your best foot forward to be mm-hmm. your best version of yourself to the person that you're just so excited about. And then once it settles down, you just often kind of let that go and you're like Mm -hmm. these things that aren't so desirable about you start to show up and then you start not treating them in the way you maybe did in the beginning and so in the beginning you're adding all these coins to your to the bank and then as time goes on if you aren't careful and conscious of how you're treating your partner you're gonna start doing things that take coins out of your bank. So everything you do with your partner is either adding love or taking away from love. So Mm -hmm. how you react to things, like kind of like what you said, if you're coming to them with like a issue and you're feeling upset and they're just on their phone or acting like, why are you even getting into this? I don't want to talk about this or dismissing your feelings. Mm-hmm. That is taking a coin out of the bank. And eventually, if you take all those coins out, there's nothing left.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I just yeah. really like yeah, that. We, we, yeah, we actually but, use that analogy as yeah. well with the deposits. or yeah, with, withdrawals. Deposits and, deposits. and withdrawals. Yeah. So sometimes if, if we're feeling, you know, like the our, our love bank has had a lot of deposits and not enough, uh, or sorry, sorry, a lot of withdrawals and not enough deposits, you know, we'll mention it to each other and just say, yeah. hey, you know, I feel like We've been doing a lot of withdrawals lately. We've been going, we've been having a lot of heavy conversations. Like we had a fight the other day. Like we really need to put some deposits and it can help you to have some more, you know, clear intentions of, okay, we need to put some deposits in. Like let's plan a date night. Like let's plan a beach day with our phones turned off. And just so we can spend time getting back into that, like feel good feeling. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, let's do a picnic, let's take a bath. Like we, we have all these things that we know are deposits that we both love to do and it creates intimacy and that is what you know puts more in the bank account or puts more in the our yeah. our relationship bank account. And uh, also back to the conscious relationship part I was thinking about, if I would like to add anything and yeah, sure. I would. I, I think that one big part of it is not expecting your partner to fill your needs and and really taking ownership of you are your own whole complete person and it's not their responsibility to make you happy it's their responsibility to add to your own happiness so it's not their job to fill you up whenever you're whenever you feel drained like it's your it's always your responsibility to do that Mm -hmm. for yourself and not project that onto them because i feel like like what you just mentioned of in the beginning of a relationship, somebody can, it's all love and butterflies and it's all great things. And that person n- now might have an expectation of, of this person has to do all these things for me until the end of time or yeah. else I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. That's not how it works. Every relationship takes work, but That's co-dependency. first it's codependency, but first and foremost, it takes you to do the work on yourself mm-hmm. and then you always have to show up. To the relationship with your best foot forward and that is what ultimately makes a, a really successful relationship because if not you fall into the trap of these unspoken expectations can which then can lead to resentment which then can lead to deeper issues within the within the relationship
2: mm-hmm. and that's where the unspoken aspect is so key because we can have these expectations right for from our partner and when they're not doing that and you're like well they must not love me when really a lot of it is just lack of communication and yeah. how you receive love best so you might be like i'm i'm taking out the trash and i'm putting all the kids to bed by myself and i'm cleaning all the dishes like why don't you feel loved like this is how i show my love and you're like well, that, those, that's great. I love that you do that. And I don't want you to stop doing that. But like what really helps me, what what makes me feel the most loved is through your words or through your quality time. Yeah. Like whatever that aspect. That's, that's why I love the love five love languages part. Mm-hmm. But what you said is so key about like centering for yourself and not like the codependency part is so mm-hmm. pivotal too in that in that component because so many people do get codependent and expect that their partner is what makes them happy when that's not Mm
0: -hmm. the reality
2: at all so what books do you guys recommend for couples maybe from someone who's experienced infidelity or they're wanting to work on their relationship or Mm -hmm. just relationship books in general that you guys have found really helpful yeah
1: for somebody who has experienced infidelity and been on the side of being cheated on I would recommend a book called "Transcending um, Post Infidelity Stress Disorder," so transcending PISD. um, The doctor's name slips my memory at the moment, but um, that's a really helpful book. It talks about you know, uh, uh, post infidelity stress disorder is a real thing. I mean, it's it's really traumatic. So um, that kind of talks about how to deal with it, whether or not you want to, you know, rekindle, reignite a relationship with that person or not. I think that's a really helpful book.
0: Yeah, I would say I would. I also read the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I like whenever she found it and told me that she was reading it. This is whenever we were broken up too. Yeah, we were. We were I read it. I read it because I wanted to know mm-hmm. what I could do to help. Yeah, help her healing process as well. And even I learned, you know, being the one that cheated or the one that was unfaithful, I learned about myself through that book too because it, it also talks about things that I had never considered might affect my perspective on relationships. And it was one of them was like were your parents unfaithful like does that have any role in how you show up or how you see the sanctity of your relationship and it was just really eye opening so that is a great book for anybody mm-hmm. that has experienced it, even as an as an as a kid you know it's not just within a romantic relationship is like you can have that p i s d from childhood yep. as well which is really Mm-hmm. It was new to me, so yeah. maybe it'll be new to somebody else. Yeah. And the other one that I would really recommend Getting is the love you Getting the Love You Want. I don't know if you've read that no. one too. It's really good. So it's it's written by these, uh, couple, these licensed couple of therapists who they're kind of pioneered the field of imago therapy, which mm-hmm. imago is essentially the compository image that we create as a child that has all of our unmet childhood needs and all of the qualities that our primary caretakers had, both the positive and the, the negative qualities that we unconsciously seek to reconcile mm-hmm. as an adult. So, if you find yourself in a relationship and you see you find yourself saying like, "Oh, this person reminds me of my mom." There's there's some truth to that because you are naturally drawn to the qualities that your mother may have had, the 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 the, the nice ones. You might also be drawn to the not so great qualities that your mother embodied and subconsciously project your partner to provide you with the things that your mother never did so Mm -hmm. in 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 my experience uh in in my personal you know my childhood my my mother suffered from mental health issues and i consistently found myself in relationship with women who suffered from like diagnosed depression and i never understood why and also suicidal ideation or suicidal tendencies and i did not know how to respond in those situations. I went shut down straight into Mm -hmm. child mode or whatever adaptations I learned as a kid to deal with my mother being in those situations. So now as an adult, I didn't know how to navigate those. And it wasn't until we started really uncovering and unpacking our childhood is when I shared with her about my mom and the severity of of what I experienced as a kid or just the impact that those Mm -hmm. events had on me as a kid and learning how to navigate when I get activated or learning how to um, come forward and share how I'm feeling whenever I was a kid. but it made so much sense and that book really does a great job of of learning how to learn more about yourself and how to understand each other's maybe childhood wounds and how to navigate those challenging really challenging conversations
1: yeah yeah getting the love you want is definitely like a top like, I feel like every couple should read that book. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And I love that you
2: read the book on infidelity that was meant for the one who had been cheated on because it helps you come to a place where you can empathize mm-hmm. and start to try to relate to what the other person experienced. So that's, that's ultimately what it's all about when it comes to how you choose your relationships and to trying to empathize with your partner and all of it. So I think that's a really big key component. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to kind of end off, something I've seen you say is that relationships are an opportunity to grow deeper within ourselves. So what advice would you give your younger self about relationships that you wish you knew before?
1: Oh man, so much. I wish my younger self could listen to this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say, um, I would say that, uh, you know, to that, that honesty, um, honesty is so, so valuable. And what that means really is not just being honest with the other but being honest with yourself because even though I really valued honesty and for me I was the type of person who was like I've never cheated in a relationship before I I I don't lie I hate lying but I was a massive people pleaser so I was lying in a way Mm. you know I was I was sacrificing things that I wanted to do because of what my partner my past partners what they wanted for me and so you know I had a a a pretty long-term relationship before I even met Nima where my partner did not like what I posted on Instagram he didn't like the way I dressed and I completely changed who I was for this person and at the same time was like I'm an honest person with integrity Mm. you know but I was lying to myself I was suppressing who I was for another person so I would just really say that you know honesty is so valuable and that doesn't just mean being honest with, with with people and with your words, it means being honest with yourself. Like be your most authentic, radically honest self first and foremost, and show up into all relationships that way.
0: Love it. Yeah, you stole what I was gonna say. Just authentic (laughs) expression. You know, if, if you show up as your fully authentic self, the moment you meet somebody, they know what they're gonna get. But if you show up as this version of yourself that's trying to put on a front, that's trying to make them like you, It's going to become exhausting Mm -hmm. to try to keep that up for long term and it's going to unravel eventually. Mm -hmm. So it may be hard. You might feel like it's harder to find a partner. But what that's doing is that instead of making you trying to be liked by everybody, it's you're you're attracting the right person into your life that okay. likes that likes you for you mm-hmm. in all of your quirks, in all of your imperfections, in all of your things that you thought other people might find unattractive, those are the redeeming qualities that this person finds attractive in you. Yeah. So, if you could be that from the beginning, then I think that's going to set you up for a really successful, um, deeply intimate relationship that'll last.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to even just what we were saying about the when you're in that height of the beginning of the relationship that you're trying to just, you know, be the best version and to help them fall in love with you because you're so in love with them. It's just like a natural reaction almost because you're just so like enamored with that person. Mm -hmm. But there's a balance of like being your best self versus being somebody that you're not yeah definitely that's definitely gonna change like fall into trouble as you get older or Mm -hmm. as it goes on this was so amazing. I appreciate everything you guys shared and I think it's all so helpful and I appreciate your vulnerability. So where can people find you guys and now you have your own podcast that mm-hmm. people should definitely check out. So maybe just share that so people can continue to like learn from your guys' experiences.
1: Yeah. My podcast is the Bianca Taylor podcast, which I have an episode with you coming out soon on parenting and vegan stuff, which is really exciting. Yeah. And we, I do, we have all other episodes on relationships as well there. And... I'm on Instagram, Bianca Taylor M, TikTok Bianca Taylor M, and I'm also, you know, my, my podcast is also on YouTube, which is Bianca Taylor Fit. Perfect.
0: Yeah, same. Just Ne Delgado on everything. Neemai Delgado YouTube, podcast, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All of the stuff. So, pretty easy to find. There's not too many Nimai's out there. So, as long as you just search my name, you'll find me. I know. And you guys have been vegan a
2: long time. People who, like, maybe are just learning about you. You've never eaten meat, right? In your whole life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was born into a vegetarian family and then went vegan uh, back in 2015. So, over seven years ago, seven mm-hmm. and a half years ago now.
1: Mm-hmm. How about you? How um, you I've years? been vegan for about nine years. And did you guys get together? When did you guys get together? We met, yeah, we met when no, I had already 2017. been... 2017. so I had been vegan for a couple of years already when we met. And you weren't vegan yet. I was. Oh, you were yeah, vegan. I was. So oh, 2017, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, we were both vegan, which also made our relationship I mean, like, that's, that's very why, compatible. The oh, way you bonded. That's yeah. why we yeah. met. Like
2: yeah. We yeah. met because
1: yeah. we were vegan and... We were like, cool, vegan people. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. Andrew and
2: I, you know, we I was neither of us were vegan or plant based at the time. So yeah. we started when we were fifteen and sixteen, and then I came to him one day when I was nineteen, like, babe, I'm gonna go vegan and he's like, What? Yeah. <laughs> and then a few years later he ended up going vegan too. And that's
0: actually that's actually something that we talk about quite a bit is one partner in a relationship wanting to go vegan or already vegan and their partner is not and like how to navigate Mm -hmm. those those conversations and um it's something that a lot of people do deal with unfortunately like I love this person but there's this like fundamental part of myself that I can't I can't violate you know with the within myself so but I really want them to to see the world the way I do and it's like Yeah, that's something that's challenging for a lot of people. Have you guys
2: done an episode on that? Because that's a a really interesting topic.
0: No, I think we should. Not not fully, but we... Yeah, we help our clients with it. We yeah. yeah, we've talked about it many times, but I think it does deserve its own episode. Yeah, because it
2: goes within the conscious relationship aspect that like you really can't change anybody. Mm. Like you can't change someone. All you can do is work on yourself and be your best, like be the best example that you can be. Yeah, totally. But navigating the thought process of like, especially if you're already together and and then you become vegan, the other isn't interested. That's such an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Okay, anyways, I'm sure we could keep going, but (laughs) we're going to end it here. And thank you so much for coming out. I am so happy with how this went. I just love everything you guys have to share. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having
0: us on. Okay, bye.